0: Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Bielas. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. On today's episode of the Journey Women Podcast, I'm chatting with David Platt about peace. David is one of my heroes, and I know you guys are going to walk away from this conversation so encouraged. We talked about who supplies our peace and how we can reconcile the reality that we actually have peace in Christ, even when our circumstances don't feel particularly peaceful. So you'll know him a little bit better. David Platt is the author of three New York Times bestsellers, including Radical, He's a lead pastor at McLean Bible Church in Metro Washington, D.C., the former pastor of the International Mission Board, and the founder of Radical Inc., a global center for the unreached that serves churches in accomplishing the mission of Christ. Platt received his Master of Divinity, Master of Theology, and Doctor of Philosophy from New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. He lives in Virginia with his wife and children. David, welcome to the Journey Women podcast. I was actually introduced to you and your ministry a little over a decade ago. I don't know if you remember this, but you were quoting Psalm 148 through 150 at the SBC conference. I was like a 21-year-old college student, and somehow that clip made its way into my college dorm room. And I remember sitting there with my roommate and I was just weeping as you were quoting the word with so much passion and such conviction. And it was so clear that you just really love God and that you treasure his word. And your ministry has been such an encouragement for me to follow in suit. Shortly after that time, I think you published a popular book that most people will probably know you for called Radical. And then I read that and, of course, was wrecked. Um, It had a really great impact on my personal walk with the Lord. But all that to say, I'm sure the listeners are familiar with you. But just in case there's somebody listening who hasn't been introduced to your work, can you tell them, what did I miss? Uh, Tell them about your family. Tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do.
1: Oh, yeah. Wow, that's really encouraging, Hunter. And it's it's really good to be here. So, yeah, just God's grace in my own life. I— I am married to my wife Heather. We have four kids, uh, thirteen down to six, and then we are in the process of adopting number five.
0: Oh, awesome! I didn't know that. That's great. Yeah, well,
1: if you'd, uh, if, yeah, if you'd asked me a year ago, I would, I would definitely would not have known that either. I'd have thought that was crazy. We have, uh, yeah, for the last six years, just kind of said we're joyfully content. But then Heather and I were on a date night one night uh, a few months ago and we hadn't even planned on talking about this when we yeah sat down for dinner it had come up a couple times here and there and mm-hmm. we two of our four kids are adopted right right now uh one from kazakhstan one from china and then uh and so anyway we sit down at dinner and uh it had come up a couple times and i just had finished spending some extended time uh just alone with god and so it came up and before we know it, we're looking at each other like, "Wow, I think we've got a lot of love left to give, and mm. we, know what we need so why are we not doing this?" So we we walked out of the restaurant like Heather was in tears at the table. Like I wanted to be like, especially pastoring in a city where a lot of people know me. Like, hey, listen, everything's good. But <laughs> uh, but anyway, we walked away, hold hands, saying, "All right, let's do this." And we started the paperwork the next day. So anyway, wow. One of the- of adopting number five. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm a uh, pastor in a church in metro Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. I've been here for a couple of years now. And uh, and then, uh, kind of as the overflow of doing that in the local church, I uh, lead a ministry called Radical that, uh, yeah, it's based on that book that was written uh, years back. But really, it's just trying to serve and mobilize the church, especially for the spread of the gospel. Uh, on the front lines of urgent need around the world, specifically places where people haven't even heard the name of Jesus. So, yeah, that's a, that's me, us in a nutshell.
0: You know, I came across your new book, Something Needs to Change. And that's really kind of the heart behind the book is like introducing us to these people who are in the Himalayas who have such urgent physical and spiritual need. And I was thinking through this series, which we're we're currently covering the fruit of the Spirit, and we're discussing how the fruit of the spirit's an invitation to mirror the character of God and how those verses in Galatians that we, like, quote and put on coffee mugs and have in our kitchen, like, those attributes really flow out of our union with Christ. And I heard about your new book, and I thought, man, it'd be so interesting just to hear you talk about the attribute of peace in light of what you saw and experienced in the Himalayas um, and this is like diving deep really quick, which I feel like you won't have a problem with like having seen, uh, things from you in the past, but how do you reconcile what you saw there? Like people without food, people without water, people without hope. It seemed as, as though they didn't have hope with the reality that our God is a God of peace. Mm,
1: that That's it. Uh, and yeah, just to jump right in. I, uh, That's why I wrote this book because it's kind of the overflow. It's different from anything I've written um, because I just open up my journals in this book as kind of walking along these trails uh, in places. So, just to kind of set the scene, yeah, where I I did some research a few years ago and found that half the kids in these villages were dying before their eighth birthday. Like, I, it's like one of my greatest fears is something happened to one of my kids. I can't imagine. Being an expectation for half of them, and and they're dying of like preventable diseases, just simple things that you or I could go and uh, have a remedy for uh, at the yeah at the pharmacy pretty immediately, and for our kids. So and then just to see the way that traffickers prey on poverty in these villages and, uh, is just so, and then. On top of all that, so earthly suffering in and, and some pretty severe ways, and then on top of that, uh, most people I've met in those mountains uh, on multiple trips on those trails have never even heard the name of Jesus, like I'm talking about you go up to him and like, what do you know about Jesus? And they say, who's that? Like you're talking to, about somebody in a village nearby that they haven't met yet. And so
2: uh-huh.
1: anyway, that's what I mean about like this collision of like urgent spiritual and physical need. And to, to use that picture that we're talking about like lack of peace. Uh, I mean, you, there's, there's a sh- struggle. It's like a constant struggle physically and uh, the effects of, yeah the effects of sin in a fallen world like things are not as they ought to be like to see the evil in this picture of traffickers taking little girls from these villages and and down into cities or cross borders into other countries and uh just putting them in brothels where they are broken and abused and uh yeah made to do things that we don't even want to imagine. So just such a lack of peace, presence of evil, oppression. Uh, And so you see that picture and a lack of peace with God, like this constant attempt to try to appease spirits or gods that uh, people believe are reflected in these mountains. I mean, they believe these mountains around this one mountain right near, I was there just a couple months ago, this one particular mountain All kinds of people have tried to summon it and died, and they believe that God is a mountain, uh, that mountain is a God who doesn't want to be known, and so that just kind of gives you a picture of uh, even the spiritual realities uh, behind physical suffering uh, in these villages. So, so wrestling with that. So, back to your question, like, okay, the God of peace, like He desires His peace to be made known in these villages. Uh, but that's why, so that's why I wrote the book, like a call to make your life count in a world of urgent need. Like how do we make the peace of God known there? And I, I'll just, uh, uh, yeah, bring all this to a head, even with this, once we'd been hyping, hiking for a few days, we finally encountered this small group of believers and, and saw a picture mm. of peace. Mm-hmm. Not and I want to be careful to like and this is, I think part part of the biblical picture of peace. So it's not dependent on our circumstances. So it's not that right. these this small group of believers gathered together in this uh, crammed in little house uh, is. I mean, they're facing persecution, opposition, and they're living amidst uh, really hard physical challenges. But I mean, they know God. They know. Uh, peace with God that that supersedes circumstances and you can see it on their faces and their lives and the way they're speaking to one another, the way they're loving one another, the way they're even wanting to show God's love to people who are persecuting them. Like it was a powerful picture of peace in the middle of all that that just shows that there is a peace that comes from God that's available in the gospel that uh, supersedes even the worst suffering in the world. And so how do we make that Peace known. And then how do we come alongside uh, people in those settings to, uh, yeah, help show the grace and the love and the peace of God in the middle of all of they, they're surrounded by?
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. I you know, it's such an extreme picture. Like you thinking about that, like it's really clear. There's a lot of stuff that they're facing that isn't peaceful mm-hmm. And then you look at our lives and it's kind of like, well, how can we not have peace? But the reality is believers are so often like praying, oh, would you just pray for peace for me? Or I just don't have a peace about it. Or like they don't feel like a general sense of peace in their life. So what does it actually mean for us to have
1: peace? Mm-hmm. That's that's a great question. So I think, yeah, for all of us. Um, I think uh, maybe to realize what you're saying, like, okay, peace. Let's 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 go. What does God's word say about this? Not like common notions in the world. So I think common notions in the world would be like an absence of trouble. Like, okay, we're not at war. Mm. Things are all right. We have peace, or things are okay around me. I'm I'm in a peaceful situation. But the the way the Bible think talks about peace is much. Much bigger than that. I think it's really interesting. Like, you think about when Jesus spoke, maybe most clearly about peace, it was the night before he went to the cross. Like, I mean, he's talking to his wow. disciples, he's about to go and endure just unimaginable agony, knows what he's facing, and he says to his disciples, I think about John 14, like, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Uh, so, So, he says, let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. So apparently there's a peace here that God has designed for us to know amidst, even in the midst of agony, trouble, and all kinds of things that would make us afraid that we We've been given uh, a calm and even the way he says my peace, like the very peace of Christ. I love the way you mentioned it earlier, just as you're talking about this series and the character of of God reflected in the fruit of the, of his spirit. Like, yes, like Jesus literally said the same peace I have, I give to you like my peace. And, and it's not dependent on circumstances. In fact, it, Overrules circumstances and affects the way we view circumstances. So, uh, so I think that's that's the thing. There's there is a a calm before God and in this world that God has designed for us and desires for us to have. No matter how crazy the day, no matter how difficult the circumstances. I think Philippians chapter 4 like a peace that surpasses all comprehension and transcends all circumstances. That's what God desires for each of us.
0: So as believers we know we have peace in Christ through the gospel but yet there's these times where we really we don't feel peaceful like honestly it's so hard for me to picture, David, like some of the stories that you wrote in your book, it's like, whoa, that is incredibly intense. I can't imagine having a sense of peace, like navigating those circumstances. So how do we reconcile knowing that we do have peace in Christ when we don't feel particularly peaceful?
1: Mm, that's good. I, I think, you know, one, we we do exactly what you just said from the very beginning, we we like remember the peace that we do have in Christ. That's the other picture. I just think Romans 5, 1, like, we've been justified before God. We have peace. Like and and so I don't want to even assume, like even yeah, women who are listening to this, like I mean, the whole reason we don't have peace is because of sin in our hearts that separates mm-hmm. from God and the uh, peaceful relationship we were designed with Him. And in the world. So we've turned from him and we're separated from him. That's why we don't have peace in our hearts. And the beauty of what God has done in the gospel is he's not left us alone in the state of separation from him and unrest separated from him. He has come to us in the person of Jesus. He has died on the cross for our sins to pay the price for them so that, so that we can be reconciled to relationship with God so that we can have peace with God. So, so that is so fundamental because when we trust in Jesus, it's, it's like, okay, like right now, no matter what could come to me or you or any one of us today, like nothing can take away the fact that I have peace with God. Like that is a rock solid foundation to stand on. So to start there and just right, because, I mean, not even death, like the worst thing that could happen to us can take away peace with God. That just leads to life with God forever. So, all right, so we've got a foundation, a rock to stand on. And that's why even when I think about those mountains and uh, and that something needs to change book, like trying to uh, talk about what do we do with physical needs, like, Physical needs are really important and urgent, mm-hmm. but spiritual needs are even more urgent mm-hmm. important because people's greatest need is to be reconciled with God. Like and people need clean water, yes, but like a water filter won't get anybody to heaven, won't get anybody to relationship with God. Like only the gospel can do that. And so uh so that's where we start. That's the rock solid foundation. And then so flowing out of that, then we think, okay, so God, how can I? Trust in you, I, and I, I think about Paul in Philippians chapter 4, amidst difficult circumstances, I mean, he's in prison, and he's saying, I found the secret of being content. I can do uh-huh. all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't have to worry about anything and everything by prayer Should present uh-huh. my request to God. And so I think the only way, based on Philippians 4, the only way to walk in peace When things are not, when circumstances are not peaceful, when we don't feel peaceful, the only Mm -hmm. way is to keep our eyes fixed on Uh Christ. Like, all right, I have peace with God and I'm trusting you, even if I don't have anything. And that's what Paul says in Philippians 4, if I have nothing or I have a lot, either way, I can do all to Christ who strengthens me like I I can I can do this not with my own strength Uh, I mean I think about Heather and uh, I mean just about every night we kind of collapse there at the end of the day and like we have no clue what we're doing as parents we have no we are so uh, yeah incompetent in so many ways for the things that we're facing around us but we just look to God we're like God we're trusting in you please help us lead us guide us and we are believing that you are sufficient for us and uh, and then you know when you remind yourself of that, it's not that okay all the circumstances are fixed or now it's easy by no means like circumstances are fixed and it's still not easy but but you know you know that Christ will prove sufficient for what you're facing.
0: As I was reading, I was really trying to put myself in your shoes and envision the people that you were interfacing with. And you mentioned that you preach this from the pulpit and that you know and believe these truths. But then when you're looking in the face of someone who is experiencing like the harsh realities of the tsunami of sin just flooding, you know, the world, uh, how like. How does the peace of Christ, like, rule in your heart? And and how do you reconcile, like, if the gospel really is true and God really is good, then where where the truth and goodness of God in the midst of this extreme poverty and pain? And where is his peace and where is his protection for the oppressed and those who are exploited in these areas of the world that are just <laughs> so dark?
1: Honor, I, I don't think I have— uh like a clean tie, the bow on
2: mm-hmm.
1: answer to that question. Like that's one of the things I, I wrestle with throughout this book. And I hope in a way, like, uh, I think it's, I think there's a right way to ask questions like that, like a humble way before God, there's a prideful mm-hmm. way to ask that before God, like God, where are you and this or that, but I'm, mm-hmm. in a Job like way, in a Habakkuk like way, like,
2: mm-hmm. God, I
1: don't understand this. So, so I, I don't understand uh you know why uh, why there's such oppression exploitation I mean I, I know like the the biblical foundations that are clear that the fact that we live in a sinful fallen world that the effects of sin are all around us uh, and the beautiful truths of the gospel that, that Jesus has come to change that, but that's that's just it. Like, so there's some things I don't know, but there's some things I do know. I do know that God loves every single one of these people that I that I meet in these mountains, and God desires them to know peace with Him, and God desires them to know provision from Him. And so that's that's where I I my my why questions just inevitably turn into, okay, what questions like okay. Mm-hmm. i can't explain this or that but what do i need to do with my life like what do we mm-hmm. need to do in the church to make the peace of god known in a world where there's not there's not peace there's not peace with him i mean all these people who who are separated from god and their sin and have never even heard of jesus like we have I and mean, that's what uh isaiah romans 10 talks about like the gospel of peace like how beautiful mm-hmm. the feet of the to bring good news of peace, who publish peace is the way Isaiah puts it. Like, that's it. Like, I want to publish peace all over those mountains. I want to give my life mm. to publishing peace in those mountains and in the, with a the neighbor across the street from me because I think about yeah. people, yeah, in my neighborhood who are walking through some really difficult times right now. This one family, well, I won't go into details, but just uh, with uh, um, some of their kids in the hospital, like, I, I, I want them to, I want to publish peace to them. I want them to know the peace of God in Christ. And and then, and then not just that as if, okay, so spiritually reconciled to God, like, yes, that ultimately, but then I, I want to work so that they have clean water. I want to work so that, uh, mm-hmm. is not happening anymore. Like I want to, I want to partner with those who are combating that. Uh, I want to work for justice and peace in those ways. And I think the gospel and the Holy spirit in us compels us to do that. And uh, so to experience peace and then to publish it, to spread it
2: Mm, mm -hmm. so that
1: others might know it, uh, ultimately spiritually, but then even physically, just like working to show the goodness and the peace of God in a world of of turmoil and evil.
0: You told this story about a guy who you interfaced with as you were traveling and He told you, as you kind of explained to him why you were there and that you were a believer, he told you that um, he wasn't super excited because Christian people had come into his village in the past and that they'd been really hurt by them. How can we go about this work of being peacemakers, like you're mentioning, in a way that draws people to Christ instead of pushing them away?
1: That's a great question. And in that circumstance specifically, it was basically a guy who, yeah, people had come into his village and, and doing things, uh, in the name of Christ that were, yeah, that were just not Christian. And so, uh, I think the key is <clears throat> we've got to be really wise. So especially in places we go in the world where we, where we don't know culture, where, where we, uh, Mm. many times no language, we've got to really make sure to understand as best as possible culture, language, dynamic, Mm -hmm. and think, how do I, how do I serve people where they are? I mean, in a, again, a gospel like way, that's what Jesus did. He came to us, took on a robe of human flesh, lived among us, loved us where we are. So how do we reflect that in uh, what we do in different places around the world? But even right next door, like that's, uh, we we want to see where people are and say, how can I meet them where they are and, and then get to know them and uh, and understand them and know how to share the peace of Christ with them in ways that are good for them and not in ways that actually prove harmful. There's a book that I've often recommended and wrote for called uh, When Helping Hurts. And mm-hmm. It talks about, yeah, the... With good motivations, we can actually end up hurting. And, uh, and so uh, that's where we want to be wise. And I think some of the keys are in that, it, well, foundationally, it's just making sure we understand what the real needs are and really taking the time to think through what are the wisest ways to meet those needs
0: you encourage us to live out this gospel of peace like wherever the lord has placed us today and that's a real encouragement to me david because when i started like listening to radical and things like that i think i originally listened to a sermon series radical uh, and I I just, like, was ready to go. I'm like, let's do this thing. And then the Lord uh, placed me in a context where I've actually been a military spouse uh, post-college for the past eight years. And so going looked so much different than I anticipated. And even now, I still want to go and um, preach the gospel to the nations and the dark places in the world. And yet I'm sitting here in my closet on campus at Dartmouth while my husband's going to school. <laughs> So, you know, I know God, he says, like, we're ambassadors for Christ, right? So he's, like, sent us into these specific places with purpose and intention, and he wants to use us where we are. So how could we mirror God by being peacemakers in whatever context that he has placed us in? Yes, yeah,
1: great question. And that, that's the thing, you know, I think, uh, yes, God has put us, each of us every person listening to this right now and uh, you there in Dartmouth and me here in Metro Washington, D.C., like he's put us where we are to be ambassadors for Christ. And I'm actually preaching on that text this weekend. But oh, right, I love that. right where we are, like we are mm-hmm. representatives of another kingdom and uh, reflectors of the the peace of God right. Mm-hmm. So so that's where they okay, mm-hmm. look around. I mean, the reality is the most urgent need that people around any one of us right now has is to be reconciled to God and
2: mm-hmm. can
1: meet the most urgent need in someone's life like right now by sharing the good news of God's love in Christ and the peace that is possible in Christ and so uh, I've actually just this all another story but just been emboldened even over the last few weeks in my life and what God's doing here in Metro Washington like I live in one of the freest countries in the history of the world like how how am I more I just want to more zealously publish piece like make the good mm-hmm. Christ known people right around me and call people invite people to trust in Christ and we're seeing God bring a lot of people to faith in Christ it's been awesome and uh, so. so I just want to like I want to do that right where I am and then where I, what I always encourage people to do is like yeah like just do what God's calling us to do right where we are and be open to doing that wherever he might lead us. Like, uh, because yes, yeah, there are 2 billion people in the world right now who have little to no knowledge of Jesus. So at some point, somebody, he's going to lead somebody and I would say many people to go to places where the gospel Mm -hmm. has been gone. And so to always be open to that. And even the opportunities we have to do that. I mean, I was reading the other day about, uh Judson like missionary to Myanmar a couple centuries ago it took Mm -hmm. 14 days to sail to India like to get there in 24 (laughs) hours I mean it's it's the opportunities we have to be a part of what God's doing yeah world are are massive like and uh and so and and even uh, not just opportunities like go on a trip, but I mean, to actually go and work in different places, I just think about the globalization of today's marketplace, like there are so many opportunities. And so uh, anyway, so just for us all to be open to publishing peace wherever God leads. And mm-hmm. I think if there's like truly an openness to that, and an obedience to do it right where we are, I think God will yeah, direct us, lead us, mm-hmm. orchestrate the course of our lives, probably in ways that we don't mm-hmm. expect. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like in a way you didn't expect there in yeah. Dartmouth, like in a way I didn't expect. I didn't see myself here in Washington, D.C. And uh, so... And I've tried on a few different occasions to take a one-way ticket overseas, and and it's just not worked out. And uh, yeah. but I'm trusting maybe one day it's going to happen. But that's where I, I want to be faithful, right where God's put me. Mm-hmm. And I want to be open to wherever God might lead me, like totally and truly open. Like, God, what—that's what, that's what I'll, I'll actually call our church in a uh, way this Sunday just because we— uh, in Acts 13, when the Holy Spirit set apart Saul and Barnabas to take the gospel where it had not yet gone, I'm just going to call us all to be like, okay, let's mm-hmm. all put our lives on the table in a fresh way today and just ask. Is he
2: mm-hmm. us to
1: go where the gospel hasn't gone? Let's just ask the question this fast and pray and see what God says. And I'm trusting God will leave some of us here and he'll lead some of us to go, like, if we're just with- whatever he wants us to
0: do. Man, I am really encouraged. And honestly, like, I, I don't say this to puff you up in any way, but like genuinely just watching you at a distance say yes to what the Lord sets before you. And and that also looking really different for you is such an encouragement to me when I like also so desperately want to go. And then uh, the Lord is, you know, um, saying, yes, you're going you're gonna to speak a different language. You're going to be in a dark place. You're going to be in a different culture, but it just so happens to be in the heart of the U.S., you know? Um, so it, it's just been really, really encouraging watching you and Heather doing that from afar. And uh, after reading your book, I was honestly encouraged yes to ask, you know, Lord, what would you have for us? We're in a season where we're transitioning out of the military and Brooks is currently looking at future job opportunities and things like that. So so yes, like I was texting Brooks and I'm like, we need to just set our yes on the table and say whatever you have for us, Lord. And and then simultaneously, David, I was encouraged to walk outside my front door and to have a conversation with a woman in my neighborhood who I know does not know Jesus. And so it's just really, really, really encouraging. Um, I I highly recommend the book, and I also recommend um, a help to me as I'm processing kind of what questions to ask as we're approaching this series on the fruit of the Spirit is the commentary that you wrote on Galatians. Hold on, I'm going to get the name of it here. Christ-centered exposition exalting Jesus in Galatians. So that is a real help and such an encouragement to me. Also, just kind of a fun tidbit, like the Lord was totally using the book of Galatians in my life, like like 11 years ago or so, whenever I interfaced with that uh, Mm verse, Psalm 148 through 150 from you. So it's just kind of a full circle thing for me personally, uh, and a real treat to get to talk to you today. But I would love for the listeners just to get to hear from you. What resources would you recommend for somebody who wants to learn more about peace, the fruit of the Spirit in general, or any of the things that we've talked about today?
1: So I would say, so here's things that come to my mind. There's a, a little book uh, called uh, The Threefold Secret of the Holy Spirit mm. by a guy named, I mean, it's, it's like an old book. I mean, it might even be hard to find, uh, but by a guy named, his last name is McConkie. So James McConkie, The Threefold Secret of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I I'm was trying to think even some things that maybe people might not even know. But uh, so Threefold Secret of the Holy Spirit was okay. just, uh, yeah, so that's one. Um, I would say, I'm just going to say this one because I just got finished, uh, reading it, uh, and Hudson Taylor's spiritual secret. I was actually rereading it. Mm-hmm. Hudson Taylor's biography, but, uh, it's just a, a good, it's a biography of a missionary Hudson Taylor who, uh, went to uh, China, but, uh, it just talks about the secret of the Christian life being Christ mm-hmm. in you mm-hmm. and. Uh, and so, um, anyway, so that's another one that I would recommend. I read a long time ago, the wonderful spirit filled life by uh Swindoll, like it was old school, but it had an influence on me then. So that's one other one that would come to my mind as well. Uh, just specifically on, yeah, the spirit filled life.
0: The Hudson Taylor biography, you know, that, that just reminds me, like when I was reading your your book, I was thinking, you know, it's just so beneficial to get perspective by reading about the lives of believers in other places in the world. And there's something about that that, like, helps me to remember the peace that I have in Christ and really, like, how my circumstances, though they seem dire to me, like, are really nothing in contrast to what my brothers and sisters throughout the world are experiencing. Like, is is there something there? Like, there there seems to be something there for me with, like, uh, zooming out and getting out of, like, this... uh, me-centered kind of perspective that I just live in, and, and and biographies help me do that. Does that have that effect for you, too?
1: Absolutely. I mean, and, and especially biographies of, yeah, of people who have walked through, like, challenges, suffering. Like, I think about, I mean, Hudson Taylor's story, I mean, he... He had seen his wife die. He had uh, seen all kinds of difficult things on the field in China. But but that's so I mean, it makes sense, right? If we're if we're saying the Bible teaches that there is a peace which transcends like circumstances, then those who would speak like, yeah, most knowledgeably about this kind of peace are those who have walked through really challenging circumstances and have come out. On the other side, like there's a piece that that you that yeah actually does surpass circumstances that is beyond comprehension, just like the Bible says. And so to sort of see that played out in life, I would say probably the most influential books in my life have almost all been biographies. Hmm. Uh, so not just on the piece, but just on all kinds of things, just learn others have experienced. So you combine that with, all right, here's the truths from the word. And then you see them play out in lives uh, like this. It's it's just hugely encouraging, challenging, uh, inspiring. So, yes. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I think one of the temptations for me, I have like totally a type A personality. I hate admitting that because I feel like nobody wants to be my friend after I say that. But uh, mm-hmm. I just like start reading these things and I'm like, man, I just want to like staple this fruit of the spirit onto myself. Like I am about to be, a peacemaker extraordinaire and the next thing I know I'm just like blowing up in my kids faces with anger or something you know so like um uh, what encouragement do you have like for those of us who read the fruit of the spirit and we're just wanting so badly to be in a place that we're not in yet um what encouragement do you have
1: uh I was I think it is uh <laughs> one don't don't be uh, surprised or uh too discouraged, like yes. I mean, in one sense, like I want to live in this peace, but at the same time, like it is, it's a battle. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a, it's a battle in every one of our lives. Certainly, in my own heart. um But it's a battle. Like we have victory in. I just I was preaching recently from Galatians two twenty. Like we have been crucified with mm-hmm. Christ. We live, but Christ lives in us. Mm-hmm. Like His is in us and we are in him like we have that's what that's what Hudson Taylor's spiritual secret he's like oh it's joy to know that Jesus is living in you that your life is Mm. his life and so even Mm. that moment uh when yeah you're tempted toward anger or frustration or uh just worry or anxiety Mm -hmm. like just just to remind yourself like this is not from Christ like and my life Mm -hmm. is hidden with God in Christ Colossians three mm-hmm. and uh, he is in mm-hmm. me. And, uh, and so I used an illustration, uh, recently where I just took some, uh, big Tupperware kind of containers. And I just said, all right, here's you, your one Tupperware container. And then I put another one inside said hey, you have Christ in you. And then put, uh, the one that's you and a bigger one that was like, you are in Christ and Christ is in God. Hmm. And so try to illustrate like the security we have, wow. like, the adversary is gonna to get to you. He has to go through God, which he doesn't have a very good track record with. He has to once if he were to get past God the Father, he would come to Jesus, which he obviously will have thought he had defeated, but got totally uh yeah, crushed by when Jesus rose from the dead. Like There's no way the Mm -hmm. adversary can get to you when you are Mm -hmm. hidden with God in Christ. And so just to remind yourself of that, I mean, I think so much of the... Battle, so to speak, for peace is a battle of our minds. Uh-huh. Uh, but just to remind ourselves, I'm in in uh-huh. Christ. I'm forgiven. So even not to beat yourself up over the. I mean, certainly to confess sin when we do. But but uh, just rest in the grace uh-huh. that Christ shows us and the peace we have with God through Christ. And then just to just to say, I want to I want to live in this. I want to live in Christ.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I also love how you drew out that, like, as you're on that mountain, you were just so struck by prayer and how you, you're you like, there's there's literally, like, I can't do anything. Like, I can't do anything. And so, but I can pray. And, like, I really believe that prayer works. And so I, I think in those moments, like, when I have felt um, just so— um, Uh, dependent and so needy, like looking to the Lord in prayer, I'm just astounded at how He meets me where I'm at. And usually it's like, you know, honestly, like just in a moment of frustration with my kids as a mom of three young kids, four and under, uh, and and just how He meets me there. So I was so encouraged by uh, that admonition just to look to the Lord in prayer when we really feel um, utter dependence and like a, a lack of ability to like make any change in and of ourselves so
1: okay. you know one other book that i thought of as, as you are saying that uh is uh and it's a book on the holy spirit um but the subtitle is great so uh jd greer he's a friend of mine who pastor church but uh it's called jesus continued and the subtitle mm. is why the spirit inside you is better than jesus besides you mm. so Even better Mm -hmm. than Jesus himself being beside you, whatever you're facing in your life, like even better than Jesus beside you, the spirit inside of you, like bearing his fruit through Mm. you.
0: That's so so encouraging. I can't wait to check those out. Those are all new to me. Um, I think I've read the Hudson Taylor one, but it would be great to revisit. So like I mentioned, uh, missionary biographies, definitely one of my simple joys. And one of the questions that I ask every guest who comes on the show, uh, it feels a little bit girly, David, but uh, there have been other men on the podcast in the past who have answered this question. What are three of your simple joys?
1: Simple joys. Let's see. <laughs> they uh, can any, be anything. 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 Okay. So I would say uh, like playing with my kids is like a simple joy. Okay. All kinds of things are coming to my mind now. But okay. Playing with my kids, like out in the yard, just uh, playing some kind of sports or just games as family. Like we uh, actually just baptized a couple of my kids. That wow. Massive. Like, I, I just, I mean, like, I can, I can die. I mean, I, I, like, I, I just want to see my kids walking mm. with the Lord. Like I long for joy that. Joy of
0: and joys. Yeah.
1: It's like, so. That's a not um, so
0: simple joy. <laughs>
1: yeah. Right, right. Sorry. Maybe I'm going too all right. So let me one more, one more heavy one and one more really light one. Okay. So one for everyone is like, because I'm just thinking about this, because I've been reading First Thessalonians, uh, because Paul said, I live to see you standing firm in the Lord. So I just, I love when I see another follower of Jesus like growing and in like some marked way and that I'm trying to serve and love and care for. Mm. That is, that's uh, that's spiritual. And then, all right, last thing is like sitting at a baseball game. Uh, Like that's, I love love the game of baseball. So, uh, favorite team? uh, I'm I'm a Braves fan.
0: Love that. I also love a baseball game, like more than any other sport. Oh yeah, a
1: hot dog and a stadium and a Braves game, yes. like uh, that's, you know, that's so good.
0: simple joy right there. That's great. Well, David, I've already told you that you've had a tremendous impact on my own journey with Jesus. In fact, I was uh, looking at your bio and I realized, like, um, sorry. I get emotional. I am postpartum still. (laughs) I realized that you were my age when you were quoting Psalm 148. And I just think to myself like, man, I really want to know and love God's word. It's an admonition to me to follow in your suit in that way. And so thank you so much for just following the Lord and loving the the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. I know you do it imperfectly, but it is absolutely a joy to get to watch. Um, And one of the things that I ask every guest who comes on the show, because we try to treat the people who we welcome on the show as guideposts uh, for the listeners, you standing there pointing them to Jesus, and you've done that for us today. And it'd just be such a joy to get to hear from you. Who is it that's had the greatest impact on your own personal journey with Jesus?
1: Oh, um. You know, I, I always point to like there's about five men at different points in my life, uh, starting with my dad, uh, who's died unexpectedly a heart attack years back, mm. uh, but uh, so who have had a, a, a massive shape in my life. But in light of what you just said, I, I want to mention one of those other five. So uh, my a man named Greg Bennett, who was actually my student minister when I was a teenager, and he's the one who, uh, so even just the fruit of what you were talking about with Psalm 148 through 150, like as when I was a teenager, he pulled me aside and he said, David, if you look at men and women throughout history who have experienced the deepest joy in God and been used most mightily by God, it's men and women who have known his word and who've meditated on it and it's hidden in their heart and it just flows from them. And, uh, and so, and he was just like, and so that's what he challenged me mm. to start memorizing large portions of God's word. So yes, like a verse here or there, but then to try to memorize paragraphs or chapters or, or longer. And, uh, so what you were talking about is the fruit of uh, God's grace through Greg Bennett in my life. So, uh, and he's, a, yeah, he's a guy that, uh most, people uh, yeah would not recognize his name but I'm I'm the fruit of God's grace in and, and his life and a few other men like that who, uh, yeah, nobody would ever know their names.
0: Mm, that is so encouraging. Um, of course, all of the resources and everything, I'm sure people will want to connect with you after hearing this interview. We'll have all of those on the show notes. Um, one thing I'd like to ask, is there any way that we can come alongside you and support you in specifically in the work that you kind of laid out in your newest book, something needs to change? I just, I felt so compelled, like I would love to be able to give in some way. Is there some way that the listeners can come alongside you in the work that the Lord? said before you?
1: Yes, absolutely. So, uh, so radical.net is kind of where a lot of those resources are, but we have just started something. We did it with the book, uh, called the radical fund. And, uh, so if you, if somebody was to go to radical.net slash something needs to change, they could find out more details about it. But it's basically, uh, we are, we are just identifying, uh, we are vetting, exploring where are on the front lines of urgent physical and spiritual need, where is like the strong gospel ministry happening in the midst of urgent physical need. And we're just mobilizing resources to go toward that. So like, even we did like a simulcast, uh, launch with the book and we highlighted, uh, this one brother and uh, sister, this young parent married couple who's in living in the middle East, just at great risk, uh, sharing the gospel and, uh, uh, planting churches. And so we, we got behind them. We, there was another couple, uh, just, uh, expecting their first baby, uh, at any point when we were interviewing them and they, they have this ministry where they are all over, uh, different parts of Asia specifically. And they are intercepting, uh, women, uh, and girls who are and boys who are being in the middle of being trafficked. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Like, have intercepted, I mean, thousands of lives. It, wow. it was amazing. And so, so we're identifying those kind of things and just getting behind them. So yeah, the Radical Fund and people can find out more information at Radical.net.
0: That rocks. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing for the sake of Christ in and through the world. We are just, I'm just so thankful. It's just been a joy to get to talk to you today.
1: Honor, uh, this has been really really, really encouraging. Uh, it's been a blessing for me. I hope it's been an encouragement to those listening, but yeah, just thank you, thank you for, uh, yeah for what you were doing from uh, closet in Dartmouth and, uh, <laughs> and however and wherever God leads you for uh, to publish peace, to publish peace. Just really really grateful for the opportunity outside.
0: You guys, this conversation with David was such an encouragement to me in the present. And let me just say that it has been a true encouragement to me in the present challenges that I am facing today. I hope it does the same for you. Uh, If you enjoyed the conversation, this is a series that we're doing on the fruit of the spirit, and you can hop back and listen to prior episodes. They're all super rich. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss upcoming episodes in this series on the fruit of the spirit. Hey, if you want to continue the conversation throughout the week, you can do that over on social media at Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. Also, make sure you're utilizing the show notes. Guys, there's discussion questions, noteworthy quotes, recommended resources, scripture references, so much gold over there at journeywomenpodcast.com. Guys, this episode was edited by Chris Mann and the Podshaper team. We are so grateful for them and for you. It's a joy to get to journey alongside you guys. Can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week.